Um, listen, so this morning we really do have a special speaker. Um, y'all know Alex and Candace Player. Um, Alex is an amazing man of God, serves our country, soldier, Just, uh, but he's a soldier of Christ way before he's a soldier for our country, and that's what I love about him. And so he's going to bring the message this morning, so I want you to give him a humongous gathering welcome. Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who might not know who I am, because uh, my job takes me away a lot, uh, a lot of Sundays you may not see me here, but if you've seen me and you don't know who I am, I'm Alex, as Pastor Paul mentioned. Uh, my wife is Candace, and we have three beautiful children, Isabella, Eli, and Melody. And today I've been given the honor to speak with you on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Uh, about a month ago, Nehemiah called me on the phone and asked me if I would be interested and willing to come and speak on this Sunday. And it really blew me away at first because, I mean, how, how am I supposed to measure up to who these people are that are leading the gathering? I mean, it's... Just looking up to these people, it's amazing to follow after them. It blew me away that Nehemiah would ask me to do this. And another thing is I'm not the best at public speaking, so it's difficult for me to get in front of people. So I eventually called Nehemiah back and told him that uh, I would take on this honor of speaking for Pastor Appreciation Sunday. One of the things that I want to share today is my testimony. Uh, some of you have heard my testimony. Some of you have been a part of my testimony. And our pastors have had a major impact to make my testimony come to life. Uh, when you see my family, you see my kids, you see my wife, you see us all together, you're truly witnessing a miracle of God. It's, uh, it's a miracle because of the gathering. I truly, honestly believe if it wasn't for our pastors and the gathering, that our family probably wouldn't exist anymore. It wouldn't be here together in the gathering today. Uh, one of the things that, one of the scripture that I want to bring up is 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. And in the NIV, it says to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And when I see that, when I read that verse, and I think about the Apostle Paul when he said this, you know, this really makes me think of our pastors at the gathering, that they are providing that example of Christ for all of us to follow. And I just thought that this verse really displays our pastors. I want to focus on that verse and show you how that my testimony, by seeing their example, created that miracle between my family and myself. Uh, with the time that I have, I'm going to jump right in 
and start from the beginning. beginning. Candace and I both met when we were teenagers. We met in church. We grew up in church, and we started dating as teenagers. We thought that we were uh, in love, uh, whatever you think that is as a teenager. You know, don't really know what love is when I was a teenager. But we dated for a few years, and I graduated uh, from high school and decided that I wanted to join the military and serve our country. Um, before I joined the military, though, I, I had a pretty close relationship with Christ. I would, uh, me and Candace both had a close relationship. Uh, we had a daily walk with him that uh, we would try and present Christ to everybody else. I wasn't perfect. Uh, I definitely didn't always do the right thing. I had a lot of sin in my life, but I still knew the truth, knew what the truth was. I just didn't follow it to a T as a teenager. I uh, went to join the military, and when I came back from the military, I changed. I wasn't the same person that I was before. Uh, like most uh, young adults go off to college or go off to join the military. They're going out into a new world, uh, especially those who are raised in church as teenagers or kids. You know, a lot of people go off to college, they go off to the military, they go off into the life after being teenagers and turning into young adults. And the world pushes Christianity as just another fairy tale that like Cinderella, like we're told when we're kids. Christianity becomes that fairy tale. And that's what happened to me. I, I came back from the military and I just, I still believed, but I didn't continue in that walk. I kinda just walked away. But Candace and I were still dating and we decided, we started to, we had been arguing all the time. We started to argue more we would have bad tempers, and I had problems with controlling. I had controlling issues, and it only continued to get worse. My wife, or my Candace, and I decided that, hey, we'll get married, you know? Things will get better then. All this will go away after we get married. <laughs> and that definitely wasn't the case. Things only got worse. And we got married, and we moved in. Uh, we lived in Asheville at the time. We moved into my granny's old house, and it was right across from my parents. So I love my parents, and I love my family, but moving in right next door is probably not the best idea. The leave and cleave for me never really took place with Candace. We never had that marriage of being on our own. So we continued to argue more and more. We never had that alone time. The arguing and fighting only escalated and increased into physical violence and rage. I stand up here before you today not proud of my past, and I know that Candace is not proud of hers, but we're proud of where God brought us from. We're proud of what he took us from.
Soon after we got married, Candace got pregnant with our first daughter, Isabella. And during that time, we also found out that I was going to be deploying uh, to Iraq. So needless to say, all the stress that we had as such young adults, where all this stress comes from, I don't know, but we had it. And it just ended up being more stress piled on top of it. And we got a baby on the way. I'm leaving. We're young. We don't know what we're doing. We just jumped into our marriage. And so it got to the point where right before I deployed, Candace actually left me and moved in with her parents. And I was able to sweet talk her and be like, hey, we're about to have a kid. We need to try and work this out and convinced her that, you know, we need to work this out together. So I ended up deploying and she stayed with her parents while I was gone. And when I came back, she ended up moving back in with me. Uh, not soon, not long after I got back, we had Isabella. Uh, for a moment, the baby Isabella provided some distraction from our issues and troubles, but also with a newborn baby, it can be very stressful as well, so it also added to uh, the stress in our life. During that time that I got back, I ended up getting a uh, temporary job here at my guard unit in Stanley County. And I would come out here during the week and work and then drive home to Asheville on the weekends. And as you can see, that's not the greatest married life. It's, Candace and I have had no time to grow in our marriage. We, we never took any counseling. We never took any advice before any of this. We're just jumping into our marriage. We're just jumping into life, which I don't re recommend at all. But we were separated uh, during the week, and we would get to see each other on the weekend. So it just gained more stress in our life. As she ended up getting pregnant directly after she had Isabella, and then she had Eli on the way. I ended up getting a full-time position here at my unit, and we thought, hey, this is, this is going to be it. This is, this is where all of our stress is going to kind of dwindle away. We started looking for a house, and Candace lived in one of the hotels here. We both lived in the hotel here while we were looking for a house, and that is very difficult if any of you have kids and never tried to stay in a hotel to young babies. So, it, needless to say, it just continued to pile up and more and more. We ended up finding a house, a beautiful home. We moved into it, and we thought, you know, we're away from our family. We're on our own. We have a good job. We have a good home. This is what life is all about. We're finally going to be able to live a happy marriage. But this was not the case, you know. Without Christ in the center, we're only going to think that the next thing is going to provide that, fill that void in our life. But none of that is. None of, nothing will take the place of Christ. So we moved in and we thought that all our worries were gone. But with my job, it takes me away. So the next thing that was piling stress on 
us was I was always gone with my job, traveling. And Candace was stuck in a home with two children in a place where she didn't have help from anybody. She didn't know anybody here. And she didn't have any family to help her. So she started to fall into a depression while we, since we moved in here. About six months after we had moved into our home, we began to, or we found the gathering, and we began to attend it because we seen the hope here. We seen the love that people had for each other and the trueness, the genuineness that we were looking for. We had been searching for other, through other churches, but we just didn't see the love of Christ in those churches. But when we came here, we've seen that love displayed in the people of this church. And we came and we joined Nehemiah and Renee's community group and we began to go into their community group and being ministered to by them. But at this point in the stage, our anger and our violence and Candace's depression had already reached such a boiling point that we didn't tell anybody. We didn't tell anybody what was going on. I'm an introvert. I, I don't talk to anybody, so I keep everything to myself, which is one of my battles that I'm always dealing with. But we didn't tell our church. We didn't tell our community group and share our struggles with them. So ended up, Candace reached her breaking point, and one day when I came home from work, she was gone. She was gone with the kids. I was shocked when I went through the house and seen that all of her clothes and all of my kids' clothes were gone. I was in dismay because I had this beautiful home with the white picket fence. I had the job. I had all this for them, I thought, but it all fell apart. I did everything I could to try and get her to come back. I, I called her. I was trying to win her back. I tried to fix things with myself. I tried to do it myself instead of letting Christ fix me. I went to Asheville. I tried to convince her to come back. I tried telling her, you know, we got to work this out for our family. We got kids. We can't do this. The Bible doesn't. I tried to say the Bible doesn't want us to do this. You know, I tried to use whatever I could, and it wasn't for me or for, for the kids or for the family or for the love of Christ. It was for my own selfish desires that I was doing all this. I didn't want my family to fall apart. This was all what I wanted. I didn't want to believe that I had anger problems. I didn't want to believe that I had uh, controlling issues. But deep down inside, this was what Christ was trying to bring to light in me. So as time went on, Candace and I were still separated. It was about two months went by, and I called Candace and asked her if she would ever come back. I was like, just tell me, are you ever going to come back? Are you ever going to be with me? Is there ever a chance of this being saved? And she told me no. And I got off that phone, and I began drinking. And I started drinking a lot. I started taking pain pills. And later on, my buddies from work, they came and found me. 
and they found me drunk and they found me crying out and they took me to the hospital and the hospital sent me to a nut house uh, where I honestly did not need to be. I said things while I was drunk and per their way of handling things, they wanted to try and protect me from my own self, so they sent me to this nut house. So I'm there for a few days, and I'm seeing some legitimately crazy people. And I'm in here, and I'm thinking, what has happened in my life that I have come down to this point? Then those few days that I was there, Candace never come to see me. She never called, never did anything. And it completely blew me away. I lost any and all hope that I had of her thinking that she was ever going to come back to me. I grew angry inside because she didn't care about me. I continued with my selfishness, and I latched on to that anger, and I held on to it, and that's where I went into the darkest place of my life. I left that place, and I came home, and I found a restraining order from my wife at my door when I came home from the hospital. So I knew that this was completely over with. I began to try and fill the void, the pain that I had by looking to other women, looking to drinking. Drinking was my biggest thing. I became a heavy alcoholic when I was separated from Candace during this time. I turned to drinking to fix everything, to try and take the pain away. And I turned to trying to talk to girls, one skill which I don't have, and I tried to do that. But uh, it didn't work out. I, I did end up hooking up with another girl and thinking that that's going to fix things for a while. But all that did was cause heartache in that girl, and it didn't fill anything, any void in me. So all I did was hurt that girl's life. So time went on. I had to drive up to Asheville to see the kids on the weekend, and those were some of the hardest times driving to Asheville. Every time I dropped my kids off, I would leave. I would go straight to the store and get a six-pack and be driving, drinking and driving on the way home. I'm very lucky that I never got a DUI. I'm very lucky that I never crashed and killed anyone. This, it got to a, a real bad problem in my life. And it got so bad, I remember one night at my house being out in my front yard and just drunk, yelling up in the sky at God, saying, why have you allowed this to happen to me? Why have you let this happen to me? Why have I come to this point in my life that this is where I'm at? And... That's how I continued on. I didn't hear anything. It was silence. It was silence. Because it was all covered by my, my anger, my selfishness that was deep inside of me in my heart. And time went on as about seven months after Candace had left, 
a guy from my work gave me the book uh, Resolution for Men. I had heard of it before. I would never read it. But I was on uh, one of my trips going on some training, and I opened it up one night and began to read it. And I started to read it a little more and a little more. And I would see how God, or how I was not being the shepherd of my family. How I was not being the man of God that he had called me to be. I was not being sold out to Christ. And I started to see where I went wrong in life. So I began to try and change things. The thing is, I tried to change things myself instead of letting Christ change them. I did a good job of putting a front on and being able to show Candace that I was changing a little and was able to get her to come back to live with me. Uh, it only lasted for a couple weeks, though, before she realized that I hadn't changed and that I was still drinking. And she left again. So she was gone again. Um, I was able to speak to her, you know, kind of try and show her that I'm really trying to change. Time went on, and she ended up coming back one more time. She seen that I hadn't changed. I was really good at able, being able to put on a front, be a manipulator, and show her that, you know, I, I'm trying. I'm trying. I went to a counselor to try and uh, help the issues that I had. But... It wasn't from my heart. So she left me again. And when she left that, that third time, I ended up coming here to this very bar and sitting over at that bar and drinking a couple drinks and thinking to myself, you know, I have got, I've got to completely give everything up. So I went and drank and drank a couple drinks and I called Nehemiah. And I was like, I need, I need to talk to you. I need to come and see you. And sure enough, Nehemiah had me over. He brought me in, and uh, I just confessed everything to him, what was going on with me. And I told him that I needed somebody to hold me accountable. I needed a mentor in my life. I needed a man of God in my life to help me and show me the way to live my life so that I can follow Christ and that he can bring some type of good out of this. And that, from that point on is where I really had a heart change. I went home that night and cried out to God in my bedroom. That was the toughest night of my life. I couldn't turn to everything that I had been turning to. I couldn't turn to alcohol to numb the pain. I couldn't turn to anything. All I could turn to was to God and trust that he was going to bring some kind of happiness out of this. And that was the toughest night of my life. But it was the greatest night of my life because it's when I truly gave everything over to him and put it in his hands. From then on out, I really began to start following Christ. I really began to start seeking God and looking for him to change my issues that I had, change my anger that I had. I would go see Nehemiah, and I would go to the community group, and they would wrap their arms around me during those tough times. 
they would hold me up. They would, the men would send scriptures in the morning, and we still do it to this day, to lift each other up in the morning times, to walk throughout the day. Let me find my spot, sorry. So, as time went on, Candace really seen a change this time. She really seen a heart change in me. She seen that Christ was moving in my life. And she ended up moving back in with me with the kids. I signed us up for a K-Love marriage cruise, hoping that this would somehow help us in our marriage. And we were also getting, receiving a lot of help from our community group, from the gathering, receiving that mentorship on how to live our life as a married couple and how to make it through this and overcome through this. So she come back, but I never mentioned to her all the things that went on while she was gone. I never mentioned to her that I was with another woman. And uh, I felt the Holy Spirit's conviction on me that I needed to confess everything to her. I needed to tell her everything. So there's nothing hidden, nothing in between us, nothing there to cause a wedge in between our marriage. And I don't recommend this, but I ended up telling her on the cruise. And that probably wasn't the best place to do it. I probably would recommend doing that maybe in a counseling setting. So, uh, But I did what I did. I ended up telling her on this cruise. And Candace was in complete shock. She was in so much shock that she ended up saying that she forgave me right there. This was all just words coming out of her mouth out of, because she was in unbelief. But anyways, we went to see a counselor on the cruise the next day, and he told us, you know, we can make it through this. We can make it through this. It's going to be difficult, but we can. And so we ended up deciding that we want to try and work through this. We drove back to Asheville from the cruise to pick up our kids, and it was a long, quiet 12-hour drive. We ended up getting to Asheville. She stayed at her parents' that night, and I stayed at mine. And the next day, I came over to her parents' house to pick her up, and she had told everything to her parents. So we sat down around the table, and her parents had a pretty heated discussion with me. And Candace said she wasn't coming back. So time, I was like, Okay, maybe she needs a little time to, you know, deal with this. This is kind of a big throw, throwing something in her face. So I drove home, and on the way home, she ended up calling me, and she was like, hey, was the person that you're with, was it so-and-so? And I, I had to tell her. I told her it was, and that shut her down from there. She completely and utterly hated, hated me and wanted nothing to do with me ever again. And so I knew when I got home that night, I had a choice. I could turn to the things that I had turned to in the past and see if that took me anywhere, or I can try and stay faithful to Christ and hope that he can bring some kind of hope and joy into this situation. Whether Candace comes back or not, he is my only source of happiness. So I chose him. I chose to stay faithful, and I chose to hold on to 
the gathering, hold on to the community group that I was in, and just try and survive each day holding on to Christ with the love of the community group that they gave to me. It was unbelievable. Renee called Candace all the time, telling her how she loved her, how she missed her, and Candace didn't want anything of it. She didn't even want to hear from anybody. She didn't want anything that had to do with me. So I allowed to God to continue to work on my heart and continue to heal my issues that I had. And I let go. I let go of trying to fix everything. Men like to try and fix everything, but when it comes to situations like this, this is something that God has to fix. And I can't fix it. So I let go and I trusted in him. I wrote letters of apology to Candace, and I wrote them to her parents for the things that I'd done. I apologized, and I told Candace that I loved her, and whatever she chose to do, I was going to be accept and be happy with because I didn't want to hate her for taking my children away. I didn't want to hate myself for all the stuff that I had done. So I continued on seeking God and holding close to the men of this church and to the pastors of our church. And so as time went by, little did I know that Christ was already working in Candace's heart as well. She had such an anger towards me that only he could touch in to her heart and heal her heart. So the entire time that this was going on, she would always tell me that some hateful things. I remember going to their house one day and trying to drop the kids off from seeing them. And I got to the door, and Candace told me, you can't even come in this house. My parents don't want you in this house. I felt like the scum of the earth by that time when she said that. I remember driving home, crying my eyes out, calling Nehemiah and Todd. And this was when we were in the coffee shop. Uh, they had church up there. And I went there to see them, and I, they just wrapped their arms around me. And I remember Pastor Paul coming and praying for me during that time. I wanted so bad to turn to things to take the pain away. But I held on to the love of our pastors and the disciples that he has brought into the gathering. I held on to these men to bring me through this situation. And God began to work in Candace's heart. I couldn't change her heart. Nobody else could change her heart. As a matter of fact, everybody else around her was telling her, you better never go back to him ever. Like Christians, counselors, people were telling her, just let it go. But God reached into her one Sunday while she was worshiping at church and said that it's time for you to go home to be with your family. And that's exactly what she did. She came back home, and we started living our lives with Christ in the center of our marriage. We had focused on Christ instead of on each other, instead of on worldly things. We put him in the center of our marriage, and that was the only thing that brought us back together. Now, that wasn't just some fairy tale ending where it was happily ever after. We still had those issues 
that we had to deal with. She had to wake up and choose to forgive me every morning. Every morning she wakes up beside a guy who was unfaithful to her. And she has to choose to be forgiving to me. And she had to do that. And that took a long time. That first year of us being back together was a long, hard road. And it was hard for Candace because she always wanted to run away. But she chose not to run away. And she chose to stick it out and hold on to Christ. And to hold on to our marriage. And to hold on to our children. With the help of the gathering ministering to us. I honestly cannot tell you how much this church has impacted our marriage. One year later, from Candace being back home with me, Nehemiah remarried Candace and I in our front yard. It was the most amazing time of my life. It was incredible. Pastor Paul came there, and he prayed with us, and we had lots of people from the gathering come and join us in the renewal of our marriage, the renewal of a true Christ-centered marriage. And I can't thank the gathering enough for what they've done in our lives and in our marriage. There's one other scripture that I want to bring up, and it's John 15, 13. And it says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what these pastors have done and their families. They have laid down their lives for every one of you in here. They have laid their lives down for this community, for this city. They are reaching out. I am only one testimony that is speaking here today. But there's many, many more testimonies that I know are out there that have been affected by you pastors. And I want to thank you from everybody in here in the gathering. I want to thank each one of you and all of your families for dedicating your lives, committing your lives to leading the gathering. I know this is no simple task. It's huge responsibility. It's an honorable burden to carry, and you carry it well because you carry it sharing the love of Christ. And I want to thank you personally for what you have invested into our lives and into my family, into each family out here. You have affected my life. You've affected these families' lives. You've affected all of our coworkers' lives. We go out and we share the gospel with our coworkers. That's because of you guys sharing it with us, sharing it with our kids in Kid City. We thank you for what you have done. We share it with our families back wherever they may be. I have a niece who has completely changed her life around. She came to live with me for a little while and was rebellious and hated me. But me and Candace showed Christ's love to her. And now she's back in Asheville sharing the love of God with all the kids at her school. You don't just affect this Sunday. You guys have an effect spider webbing through this community. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for being dedicated and the sacrifice that you guys make every week. And for your children, what they make 
this is all I have, but I want you to know I want you to remember that Christ through us is what reaches people. Christ worked through our pastors to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples.